Bloody noses everywhere. A very dangerous sea cave. Nelly T leading boot camp while Devin leads breathing exercises. A veteran truce tested. Gabo, he's just happy to be here. And a titan goes down. It's the challenge, Spies, Lies, and Allies. Episode 3 recap coming up right now. What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge, past, present, or future, if it's happening in the challenge universe, then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated challenge historian, Jacob Hollibaugh. Thank you so very, very much for being here with us today on today's pod. We are diving deep into all things The Challenge, Season 37, Spies, Lies, and Allies, a name that's growing on me, by the way, and covering everything that just went down. It was an action-packed episode, and this is about to be an action-packed podcast. So here is our agenda. First, we're going to recap everything we just saw. Then we're going to dive into the main storyline of the episode, follow that up with some secondary storylines, then break down both the daily challenge and the elimination that we saw, Hand out some awards after that for best strategy, worst strategy, best quote, best moment, and episode MVP, and then round everything out with a few predictions in our weekly power rankings. That's a lot to get to. So without further ado, let's kick off with that Cliff Notes recap of everything that just happened on episode three of Spies, Lies, and Allies. All right, let's kick this off with a recap of everything, and I mean everything, that just happened on episode three of Spies, Lies, and Allies as quickly as we can, but it won't be super duper quick because a whole lot happened. So here we go, as quick as possible, Spies, Lies, and Allies, episode three, a full Cliff Notes recap starting now. We're back in the house post-elimination, and Ed wants a hoagie to celebrate, but he's got to settle for a bowl of shredded cabbage because that's what he and Tori eat over their dinner date to get to know each other a little bit better. Then we see the first seeds of Big T and the vets not being on the same page as she confronts Fessy about not telling her that Kells was the vote last week. She is clearly on the outs of the veteran truce or alliance. Next up, time for Nelly T's boot camp. He leads a workout with a bunch of people in the house. Notably among them, though, is Berna, who is both crushing the workout, but also clearly getting way more encouragement from Coach Nelly T than the rest of his pupils. Ashley and Amanda, they watch from the poolside in disgust. Corey then tries to talk with Gabo about a possible rookie alliance, but Gabo's just like, yo, I'm happy I'm here. I'm not going anywhere as long as Nani is my partner, and sorry, bro, I'm good. Then we get Emmanuel and Michelle actually talking, actually spending time together, and clearly getting a bit romantic, at least when Emmanuel can get Michelle to stop talking game, which lasts for all of about five seconds. She is a very focused woman. A daily challenge then comes around. It's called Sea Cave Recon. Teams jump 30 feet down into a thrashing sea, swim down a few feet, grab one bomb, swim back up into a sea cave, grab the second bomb from inside the sea cave, fake bombs, by the way, swim back out, hitch a ride or a pole, uh, you know, they're on the back of a jet ski, just hanging on for dear life, up the coastline, then swim to shore, put the bombs on the podium to stop their time. Jeremiah and Tatcha are the only two who can't complete it, which is stunning and no shame there because the waves uh, mixed with the cave are legit dangerous, very super difficult, very impressed that almost every team finishes. And we know all this because Michelle ends up with a bloody nose from the jump. CT loses his pants for a bit and poor Tommy ends up with a concussion. He finished half of his run naked and not remembering where he is, but the man finished. It's incredible. In the end, Tori and Ed beat Michelle and Corey by a mere second to get the win and become the agency. 
Back at the house, Ed tells Tori, you can make all the decisions, dude. It's all on you. Tori wants Big T as revenge for Big T having put Tori and Anissa against each other back on Double Agents. But Devin, <coughs> excuse me, Devin talks her out of it, shifts the target to Berna and Emmanuel. We find out Tommy, he has to go home due to that concussion, sending another strong rookie in the second of the three U.S. Survivor players home early. Nominations then ensue. Jeremiah and Tatcha know they're on the block. They speak up first. When asked, if not you, then who? By Devin, Tatcha goes straight for Corey L., who's not having any of it. Eventually, Big T's name comes up as well. She speaks up after some encouragement from Josh and a bunch of bullshit coming from a lot of other players and says that all the vets have a best friend in the house and that she doesn't. So just because she likes some of the rookies socially doesn't mean she can't be trusted. In the end, Tasha and Jeremiah are chosen. Then, Tori asks Tasha straight to her face who she wants to go against. Tasha says, Michelle. Tori says, okay, and they shake hands. Corey then lets uh, Corey Wharton this time around. Corey lets cuddling in bed Berna and Nelson know that, hey, Berna, if you're worried about going in, don't worry. Nelson will just throw himself in for you. He'll go into that elimination so you don't have to, a la Total Madness. A great callback there. Then we get to the lair. Tori decides not to go the revenge route and instead keep the veteran truce intact for now. And she and Ed pick Berna and Corey L to go into the elimination. Now, because Tommy had to leave, TJ drops on us that one male down, no males competing tonight, female only elimination. Corey and Jeremiah are safe. Tatcha versus Berna in a game called Slipping Up. We have to build a ladder using different size poles, one by one up about 10, 12 poles or so. They all fit in exact one specific spot. You climb up that ladder, you ring a bell, and it's over. It rains yet again. It proves to be an extremely difficult challenge as the ladder, you keep knocking the ladder down at the same time they're building it. It's very difficult to climb up it without knocking something down. But after a long battle, Berna's acrobatic skills kick into high gear and she gets the win. Tatcha is sent home, but not before she has some words for Tori, calling her fake and not letting her respond at all. She goes out dancing, head held high. Tatcha's gone. Everyone else is safe. We've got new teams, again, all over the place. And that is the end of the episode. All right, so that's everything that just happened in episode three of Spies, Lies, and Allies. Let's now go a little bit deeper than just that Cliff Notes recap. Let's dive into the main storyline of the week, which this week's main storyline was how long is the veteran truce going to last? A lot was going on kind of all over the place throughout the episode, but everything kind of came back to that main story of are the vets still sticking together? Are they sticking to their truce? Have they knocked off enough rookies to go at each other yet? Are they still just going rookies only? That's the only thing to happen in. So how long will the veteran truce last? That was the main story of the episode. Let's go through that through the timeline of the episode. It starts with an acknowledgement after they win. Acknowledgement from Tori that... Uh, actually, the the actual not this acknowledgement came later in the episode, but she had been crunching some numbers. It was fourteen fourteen in the house. She acknowledged that later once she's actually won, but it's made kind of known through interviews early in the episode. Hey, you know the vets have been dominating. They've taken out all rookies. It's only been rookies in the elimination so far, and the vets know they have further to go before they can start to target each other, which is a topic I covered recently in an Instagram TV video. You should check out at Challenge Historian. We'll touch a little more on the topic of that video 
at the end of this main storyline recap. But the vets know it. They got a little more, they've been dominating, but they got a little more room to go. Then we get Big T and Fessy chatting it up. And Big T knows that she is on the outside of this veteran alliance and this truce because last week or, you know, in, in challenge time a couple days or the, the, the night before, you know, this seems to be maybe happening the day after Kells was eliminated along with Tracy. Sorry, Kells and Tracy were eliminated. But Big T knows she wasn't a part of the conversations that got Kells in there. And she knows all the other vets were clearly targeting him and she was left out. She wants to know why. And Fessy basically tells her, you know, you're, you know, very friendly with all the rookies. After last season, you targeted some of us a little bit. We just don't 100% know where you stand. And so we thought you were close with Kells, the UK thing. And, you know, we just, we didn't tell you. We're not targeting you or anything. We just didn't tell you. And that tells Big T everything she needs to know. That, yes, she might not be a target, but she isn't anywhere near the top of anyone's ladder in that veteran alliance. She's at the bottom of everyone's across the board if she's the one being left out of all conversation. So then... From that, we move into, we get a couple moments of some folks at least trying to build that rookie alliance and shout out Corey, shout out Michelle. They're doing everything they can. They know the writing is on the wall that, you know, as Michelle says, the writing's on the wall. The vets are coming for us over and over and over until none of us are here. And it seems like Corey and Michelle are the only rookies that understand this. And part of it might be that they're one of the few rookie rookie partnerships. Part of it may be they're just a lot smarter at the game. Part of it might be that they've watched the game a little bit before they came and played it. Um, you know, lots of reasons. But those two have been standout rookies so far and are clearly standout rookies in this moment as first Corey tries to kind of initiate a little bit of a, a you know, repertoire with Gabo, if not a full-on rookie alliance building moment with Gabo, who, when Corey approaches him, just simply says back, you know, like, hey, I'm happy to be here. Nani, you know, Nani, everyone likes Nani, so I'm not going to go into elimination. He literally says to Corey's face, like, I don't have to worry about that. You do, not me. I've got Nani. And Corey's basically in an interview, a great little moment, just like, I've got nothing. I've got no one. This is this is bullshit. This is, this is dumb. Um, and we feel for him because he's been shining this whole season, these first couple episodes, and just no one is willing to help this guy out. He, everyone seems to like him, but he's just he's the rookie target. And once that once that becomes a thing, it's just almost impossible to shake. Michelle then tries her hand by you know talking game with Emmanuel, who we finally see the two of them talk, which is nice because we've heard in interview segments that they're they both you know, are infatuated with each other. Manuel says he's in love with Michelle already, and we haven't seen them actually talk in the house yet. So they're finally talking, and he's wanting to be romantic and not talk about the game. It's their day off, and Michelle can't help herself. She keeps talking game, and even when she says, okay, it's our day off, let's not talk about the game. Okay, but wait, one more thing about the game. Um, but he's not really having it, so she's kind of striking out on building any sort of rookie repertoire or alliance. They're striking out across the board. We then move to the Daily Challenge, where both Michelle and Corey partners make it very clear. If we don't win, we feel like we're going in. We're the rookie-rookie pair, as do Jeremiah and Tatcha. The two rookie-rookie pairs know, like, hey, if we don't win this thing, we're probably going in there one way or the other by the house vote, by the uh, the whatever they call the thing that's the power couple, the agency. There we go. The power couple agency, as I would like to call it the rest of the season. Um, so both of those teams know 
that they're kind of, you know, they're on the chopping block and all of the vets know they're taking it very, you know, they're taking it serious. They're trying to win, but they're, the vets are super laid back and it's clearly not just from a comfort of having done all of this crazy shit a few times before, but it's clear because they all know we just need one vet rookie pair or vet, vet team to win. We just need one veteran in the agency and they make it known, you know, all these rookies that we're partnered with kind of look up to us, kind of let us run the show. So as long as one of us wins, we're all good. Um, from there, uh, eventually, Tori and Ed do get that win. So a veteran is in there. And probably the worst case for the rookies and the best case for the vets, Tori and Ed. Ed makes it immediately known Tori can make all the decisions. I don't care. I just, I'm just i here to play. I just got here. I just won elimination. It's awesome. Ed's a fucking blast. He's an absolute joy to have on the show. But it's hilarious how immediately he's just in an interview like, nah, Tori can make all the decisions. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, so... Tori's in charge. The vets are in charge. And Big T is put on notice back at their house. Her partner had just got a concussion. He's left. And she has no idea what the veteran strategy is, which realizes for her yet again that it's because they're not telling her. It's because she's at the bottom of that totem pole, so to speak. And she's kind of on the outs with the vets. So nominations come around. And while all the rookies first come up and kind of go at each other, eventually Big T's name is thrown out by Tori. Just she has to, she can't help herself. She has to mention, you know, hey, you're, you know, socially kind of hanging with the rookies. You did do me dirty last season. You know, do you have anything to say? And after some chiding by Josh and then, you know, having her name brought up enough, Big T finally chimes in and says, you know, like, you know, I'm with y'all. Like, I don't, just because I like them, just because I hang out with them. Like, everyone in here has a best friend. Every vet in here has another best friend vet. I'm the only one that doesn't. I'm sorry. So, like, I hang out with everyone, which Tori maybe oversteps, maybe takes her power just a bit too far for a moment and kind of claps back immediately, sarcastically, in a very kind of Tory way of being, like, kind of serious, kind of silly, sarcastic. You don't know wh- where the balance of what she's saying is going, um, which is one of the things I love and she makes for great interviews, great great television in general. Uh, big big Tory fans here as is well documented on this podcast, but maybe over, maybe takes her power just a bit, gets a little bit power crazy just for that one moment where she just really snaps and claps back a little bit at Big T of like, well, you did send me in against my best friend last season. So, you know, and like, all right, how serious was that? Was that just a joke? Was it just a good thing to say? And, you know, funny, everyone laughs, or are you throwing in big T? We don't know. Um, and so, you know, that happens. And immediately after, Big T's like, yo, Tori, I got to talk to you. Tatcha and Jeremiah are going in, but Big T thinks Tori's definitely sending me in too. So they have a little sit down. They have a powwow. And, of course, I absolutely love that Big T grabs Tori and it, what looks to be literally as they're like walking out of the nominations room and says, hey, I can I talk to you in private? But also Kyle's already there. Uh, Kyle's going to be there. So can we talk in private? But I already told Kyle he's going to meet us at the couch where me and you are going to talk in private. But Kyle's going to be there because Kyle should be there, um, which is fantastic. Um, and I think one of two times Kyle even makes an appearance in this episode, the other time being when he has the last group to go in the daily challenge. He and Amanda, he is the only one who he jumps eventually, but uh, waits. I don't know. They make it look like it's 20, 30 seconds. Who knows? Maybe it was like three seconds just to get that dramatic effect or whatever, as he's smart enough to do for the cameras. But uh, the only time really Kyle makes an appearance this episode is as a bit of a mediator in the Big Tory, uh, Big Tory, Big T Tory conversation. They hash it out a little bit. Tori says, you know, like, if I'm being honest, uh, and credit to her, she is, like, pretty forthright about, like, hey, 
other than, you know, I could say rookies, but like, I'm going to make whoever I say mad. And, you know, as the partners change in this game, I don't want to make anyone mad. The only like actual kind of logical thing I have other than just saying rookies and pissing off some more people is saying you just because you, you know, you put me in last season versus Anissa and that wasn't cool. And so like that easy revenge plot, you know, is a reason and no one other than you is going to get mad if I do that, even if you win. So Big T comes back. And then Kyle interjects, and they both kind of turn to Kyle and say, you know, if if you know if if uh, Tory votes for Big T, is the is veteran alliance done? Which, uh, yeah, that's that's how a truce works, guys. Uh, <laughs> if you have a truce, you're not going to vote for each other. When you vote for one another, the truce is over. And uh, thankfully, Kyle is able to lay that out for them. And I just I love everything about this moment. I love one uh, that these two women you know have this conversation and are very are again Tori very honest and big t kind of pretty honest back about the whole thing um and just that again that kyle had was there in the first place that big t planned like hey kyle you gotta you go over there immediately she must have said it immediately as they walked out of the nomination like kyle can you go find a couch i'm gonna bring tori we're gonna have a talk me and tori private but you're gonna be there go find a couch (laughs) it's just hilarious um but kyle kind of Behind the scenes, along with Devin, who we'll talk about later on in this podcast, uh, quietly, maybe, you know, kind of maybe not pulling strings the way that Devin and a couple of the other vets kind of are for that veteran truce, but is weirdly now the one that's like, you, Kyle, you're the mediator. You're the one we all, I don't trust. Uh, we, you're the one that can be the, the level-headed, the voice of reason, can tell it like it is. So interesting place for Kyle to be, you know, he's going to be a a dad soon, lots changing in his life, and now he's kind of the veteran truce mediator, if you will. Um, he just makes it plain clear, yeah. Uh, obviously, Tori, if you vote for Big T, that the truce is over. Everyone's going for everyone. Then that's that's how it works. Um, so interesting moment between all of them. We get to the layer, and uh, Tori decides revenge, not the dish she wants to serve on this evening. So she goes with rookies. Ed, again, is just like, yeah, I'll do whatever Tori says. Tori, good. All right, rookies. And we get all four rookies. So the vet truce holds strong. It makes it through the episode, but some cracks are shown. Clearly, some of the kind of allegiance within that veteran truce is shown. And I think it was very, very important. The main thing to kind of point out about it is the comment that Big T makes in the nominations that all these other vets, it's not the most cohesive group overall but it is there's a bunch of little pairs within it she does a really great job of pointing that out not only you know just for herself explaining where she's at to all the rookies to kind of explain here's where the game at because you guys clearly aren't paying attention that well but also to all the other vets within that alliance of like look you got anisa and tori they're best friends great you got Corey and nelson they're best friends okay they're over here we got amanda and ashley they're best buds. They're over here. We got Casey, Josh, and Fessy. They're best buds. They're over here. We got all these little pairs or tripods, you know, whatever. We got Casey and Nani. They're a couple now, so they're kind of over here. And they've got all these pairs, and she kind of makes it very clear in the moment that's most important when everyone's there, everyone's listening, everyone's thinking, very game, you know, in the nomination room, deliberation. That's the way to do this. She points out, it might be a big alliance, but it's made up of a bunch of kind of two or three person mini alliances within it that don't necessarily have to stay cohesive, that aren't going to stay cohesive over the length of the game. And at some point, you know, they're going to have to kind of shuffle the deck. They're going to have to different little groups work with other different little groups. 
when people start coming, it's not that she's at the bottom of everyone's list. It's, you know, what couple is at the another couple's bottom of their list and who could she be a number to help with later? So good long-term strategy play for her to get that out there. And definitely that veteran alliance as foreshadowed at the very end of the episode during the credits. The last thing we see of the episode before the next week on is Kyle in the interview room very clearly setting the stage that, you know, the Vet Alliance came close to crumbling, that truce almost ended, and it very, very clear. I mean, if there's any, if next week the Vets don't turn on each other, someone goes for someone else, then I don't know what the heck that little kind of cliffhanger teaser Kyle interview was at the end of the episode. But, um, so that was the main storyline. The Vet Truce did hold strong. In a quick touch on, we mentioned at the top of that, Recently did an Instagram uh, television, IGTV, IG Live, whatever, IGTV video, and talked about the rookies had this amazing opportunity. And I'm not going to rehash the entire thing. If you want to watch the whole 10-minute thing about this, go check out Challenge Historian on Instagram. But they had an unprecedented opportunity coming into this season. 19 rookies, 15 veterans. That's never happened before. We never go more rookies than vets. And I, I'm not, I can't remember off the top of my head, but at, even at some point, at any point, the rookies outnumbering the vets in general is almost unprecedented. I'm sure it's happened. I'm sure, you know, on a season where it was maybe balanced, a couple of vets went home first or whatever. Um, but 1915, they came in with a big lead. They came in with a format that made it so that it didn't have to always be a vet and rookie paired together till the end, a vet and rookie always leaving together the way a fresh meter rolling world was. They had these advantages coming in and they didn't take advantage of this unprecedented golden opportunity. They squandered it all the way down to where it was tied. And now after this episode, it's now 14 to 13. And after, no, no, 14 to 12, because Tommy went home too. One lost elimination, one was medical DQ. So now it's 14 to 12. The vets have a stranglehold on this game. And they're now able to look at each other and say, now's maybe the time we've got a lead. So if one vet goes home, that's fine. We still have a lead. If we can all kind of get on the same page of which vet that should be, that'll be all right. And they also make very known that all these rookies that are paired with veterans, the re one of the main reasons the rookies can't get their stuff together as much as Michelle or uh, Corey or a Kells or a Michaela was trying in some way to make that happen. It's because most of the rookies feel safe with their vet partners that they're tied with. They feel like we're a part of specific alliances through them. So we're good as long as we're with them, which also can make for when the vets split up, knowing that, hey, we might split up this veteran alliance that has a 14-12 numbers lead, but, you know, Josh may be thinking, I've got Fessy and Casey and their partners, and I've got my partner, and we're friends with these other two rookies, and we're friends with, you know, Corey and Nelson. They're cool enough with us, for the moment at least, we can get we can get the numbers back on our side that way. So, um, you know, all of that. Um, it's very interesting, and we'll see. It's almost a guarantee. We'll talk predictions at the end, but one of them is going to certainly be that the, a veteran finally goes home next week. It's not going to be only rookies going home for episode four, but we'll get to that later. The final note on this is it is a little disappointing from the rookies' point of view that it seems like almost none of them have watched the show, none of them studied the show. None, you know, you don't have to. I'm not expecting everyone that comes on here to be some big old super fan like me. If they want that on the show, they can bring me on the show. I'm out here. I'm waiting. Buna Murray, give me a call. I'm ready. I'm going to start training. I'll be ready. But it would be nice if more of them had some idea of what was going on, some idea of the gameplay of this show and not just the gameplay of whatever show they were on before or 
maybe no gameplay if it was a you know dating show or whatever. Um, so that's been a little disappointing. But a few of them, you know, have that gameplay in mind. They just can't rally the numbers. They got some things that started to work against them, and eventually they squandered that golden opportunity. So the Vet Alliance stays stay strong. That was our main storyline. Let's end this segment here and move into some of the secondary storylines that were a little more in the background, but still prevalent, important, and likely to be future main storylines. Moving into our secondary storylines of the week, we've got uh, four that we you know kind of noticed that were clearly getting a moment here, a moment there, continually making sure that they touched on it in the edit of this episode, making it clear that it's something that matters to the game in some way. It matters to the season. It could be a potential storyline going forward or has been in the past. So let's break down a couple of these supporting or secondary storylines that we saw. The first one, uh, the big one that was kind of a continuation of last week. Last week, we got the love triangle from hell, uh, the Berna, Ashley, Nelson kind of debacle that is still unclear and it very much is more so now that it seems like, you know, Ashley's still a little salty about Berna and Nelson kind of being together, but it's unclear how highly edited everything we saw last week was as far as when everything was happening. Obviously some shit went down. They, you know, they, they drunkenly cryingly talk shit to each other's faces. But um, this week we get Berna and Nelson growing closer together. Nelson clearly infatuated. Berna seems to at least, you know, be on the same page, but a little a little more cautious about the whole thing. Nelson, as always, feelings on his sleeves, just putting it all out there. He's all in, at least in the moment on the show, all in on Berna. Ashley not super happy about it. Again, no no fights, no confrontation about it. Just kind of some some quiet moments where, you know, like when Nelson is training Berna, among others, but clearly Nelson, Nellie T's boot camp, while there was a lot of participants, Berna was the star of the show in in the in the you know, the trainer's eyes and Nellie T's eyes. Berna was the star of the show. She was getting the most love. She was getting the most support. And Ashley over by the pool was, you know, kind of giving a little side eye here and there. Like, okay, whatever. He, you know, he's with her. Too bad for both of y'all. I'm going to be over here doing my thing. And that's that. So no blow-ups between the three. But Nelson and Berna club coming closer together. We see them cuddling in the bed. We get the great moment from Corey where... First, after Nelson, come on, man, you're you're a vet in this game. I love you to death. I love Nelly T, but you got to know better as a veteran, even if you like this girl, even if you plan on protecting this girl, if given the opportunity to try to sway a vote uh, out of, you know, out of her favor and onto someone else, you don't have to come right on out just from a strategy standpoint and say, yo, I'm going to protect you. Don't worry. I got you. If the vets try to come from you, if you're the next rookie on the block, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna support you. I'm gonna have your back, whatever. You don't gotta do that because eventually you're you're playing a game where you've told all the veterans you're with them and you're against all the rookies, and she's one of the strongest rookies. So I know you're having this little romance, but don't make promise you're starting to make promises to both sides. You're starting to get a little over your skis again. But I love you, you're and I love you, Nelly T. You're gonna you're gonna figure this out. I'm confident you're gonna figure this out one way or the other. Uh, but it leads to the awesome callback by Corey, which I'm glad came up. It, it didn't quite come up in the context I wanted to. Eventually, I wanted to come up as Corey being like, yo, time to step up. Like, or excuse me, as Nelson telling Corey, time to step up. I had you, now you get me. But Corey brings up, hey, don't worry, Berna, you're nervous about getting thrown into elimination. If someone tries to vote for you, Nelson will just stand up and take your place and beat his chest and be like, no, I won't let it happen. And he'll throw himself in just like he did for me. And 
it's a hilarious callback. It's a great little moment between the three of them. It is a really genuine moment of like if Nelson and Berna, if this relationship in the moment is very real and there's real feelings there, you know, like that's his best bud. And they're reminiscent about a moment that was one of the defining moments of, you know, challenge best friendship and their best friendship. So it was a really cool moment between them, but I'm still waiting. I, I'm dying, dying, dying for Nelson, bold face, dead serious right before some deliberation where his name is on the block to go to Corey and be like, yo, you're, you're making them checks. MTV's paying you. You got a lot going on. I did you a favor back in the day. Can you do me a favor? Why don't you go in there and throw it? Why don't you give me back? I just want that to happen so bad. I think it'd be amazing. But uh, so Nelson and Berna get a little closer. And then we get the, the last part of it where it comes up for the final time in the episode is when Berna is then in that elimination round. Nelson clearly rooting her on and Ashley very clearly from the other side of the big old podium that they all stand, all the spectators are standing on is rooting for Tatcha and CT with the great quote that we'll probably come back to in best quote category of hearing both of them out of either ear and being like, Ooh, interesting. One of you clearly rooting very hard for this one. while one of them clearly roots very hard for this one. So uh, the Berna Nelson romance in full swing um, and Berna getting that win back in the house so they can continue that, that was one of the secondary storylines. The second one, we touched on it, but it should be said again, mostly just because I'm really, really enjoying having these two on the show. Michelle and Corey as the two rookie standouts thus far, both, you know, good interviews and great gameplay. They got that first elimination win in episode one. They nearly won this episode or this episode's daily challenge. And the whole time, as we'll cover in a moment, we talked to daily challenge, Michelle bangs up her nose and has a bloody nose the whole time without even knowing it. She's so in the zone, so locked in. She doesn't even realize there's blood streaking out her face everywhere. Um, but those two, they take center stage for the rookies. And at this point, yes, it is because their name keeps coming up and they've been in elimination. They, you know, they've been, they're now partners that almost won the daily challenge. And they've been a main part of this kind of rookie vet storyline. But at the same time, they're getting so much of the shine of these, um, of all the rookies that it just makes me feel like they were being set up to, they've already off to impressive starts, defending themselves well, holding themselves well, doing great in the interviews, doing great in the challenges and the eliminations. But it uh, feels like we're in for deep runs by these two, that these are kind of the two standout rookies so far and potentially going to be for the whole season. So shout out to those two. We very much enjoyed them. And I, I would love to see them both make a nice long run because they're both very enjoyable to have on the show. And then... We get to speaking of rookies and speaking of tangentially to Survivor, the Survivor, what was coming into the house, a potential never to actually come to fruition U.S. Survivor Alliance is down from three all the way to one as we got to say goodbye to Tommy. We didn't get nearly enough of Tommy, which, you know, we haven't got nearly enough of any of these people that have gone home. Everyone, the season was just so well cast, but had a big, big expectations for Tommy, was really excited about him, loved we weren't seeing a ton of them on these first few episodes with so many people to get to and not being a big, big part of the main storyline, that first episode a little bit. But uh, great performance, albeit short-lived. I mean, unbelievable that he got a concussion jumping into the water and somehow did, or I don't know, they, they never made it clear. He said he kind of like blacked out halfway through, so I don't know if they just didn't show that like a wave took him into the wall in the cave or whatnot. Few, that was happening to a few people, but somehow gets a concussion and then still finishes the whole challenge out, 
without pants on, crawls up onto the beach, puts the thing up there, and immediately falls over, needs a medic. Eventually, you know, he he walks back into the house, and or he walks back up to the group post, you know, meeting the medic after his run. He's wobbly, but he's there. He seems like, you know, the medics have been like, all right, go back to the group. You're fine. So we think everything's fine. And then we get back to the house and he comes in a little bit later and says, I got to go home. I got a concussion. So that survivor alliance that never was uh, takes another hit. And we lose what I think could be a great challenge competitor. Another one that, you know, if they bring him back, I hope they do. I keep saying that for everyone that gets sent home already, that I hope they bring them back. I guess I just want them to do this exact same season the second time around with all these people having a little bit of experience. But um, short-lived experience for Tommy. Bummer to see him go. But that the rookies lose one of the people that seemed like maybe they could step in and be that leader that gained some numbers, that gained some confidence. Um, But Tommy's got to go home. Sad to see. But we say our goodbyes to him. And the final storyline that's in the background, and for the second episode in a row, not anywhere near the front, not anywhere near the main storyline, but kind of you know associated or linked to the main storyline of that veteran alliance, is that Devin is quietly, but clearly, pulling the strings of this game. He is the one, he is the puppeteer, the puppet master, whatever that's called, marionette master, whatever, the, the one pulling the strings, everyone else are his puppets, Horrible analogy, but you get what I'm saying. Devin's running this game. Uh, last week we saw, you know, Josh in the deliberation call out, say all these lies about Kells and say, oh, it doesn't matter. It worked. You're going home. And he and Fessy a little bit kind of take the known credit for sending Kells home or like the, we were the ones on the, you know, the vets that did that, even though it all started with Devin and Josh playing chess and Devin, you know, mentioning quietly steering Josh towards, yeah, you're right, Kells is a big guy. He's a little scary. I don't want to go up against him. Do you? Yeah, we should throw him in, pushing those strings. And now in this episode, yet again, we see immediately after Tori and Ed, we should say Tori and Ed win the daily challenge, but then Ed immediately, uh, while it was co-equal effort in winning the challenge, it was then immediately like, oh, you can do everything, Tori. So Tori, in power, (laughs) essentially by herself, goes not just to her best friend Anissa, but to her best friend Anissa and Devin. And the three of them have a conversation. He's looped in on that, that main power conversation. All right, let's decide. I'm the Ben in power, so I'm the one leading the charge of this alliance. Who are we going for? And Devin is the one brought into that conversation. And Devin is the one who then steers that conversation and steers Tori away from Big T and towards Berna. And again, he's, you know, he's, he's, Pull the strings. He's he's quietly making sure that it's not super known. It's not super loud. All he's doing publicly in front of everyone is at every elimination, he's being a very smart television personality and coining yet another phrase of, if not you, then who? And making sure that there's some back and forth being that kind of producer in the field slash that strategic player of, all right, everyone's pointing the fingers at you. It wasn't me, but everyone's pointing the finger at you. Who else should we point a finger at? Um, so he's being very smart and deliberate in the deliberations. He's kind of pulling the strings behind the scenes of the veteran alliances. He's a part of every of the small conversations that happen in those little groups and those little couples, those mini pods within that vet alliance. He seems to be a part of all of them. And, you know, uh, it should also be noted, we start the episode with the only single time we see Emmy. I think the only time, maybe she had one other interview, but Emmy is only shown once, maybe twice, the whole episode, one of them at the very beginning explaining why she picked Devin and saying she picked Devin as partner because he's super smart and he knows how to play the game. And it's very clear that he right now is, you know, 
he studied at the altar of Wes, uh, his, his best buddy from Double Agents, Wes. Um, and, you know, he once upon a time took down Johnny Bananas, but while kind of feuding with him, definitely learned from him a lot. And now he is kind of the stand-in as, you know, the vet that's quietly taken over the game from a strategy standpoint, from a political standpoint, social standpoint. So that's definitely been something that it's happened quietly in the background, but they've made sure to let it be known two episodes in a row now that like, hey, you know, there's not a lot to show you, but we're going to give you this one moment of Devin maybe maneuvering things more than it seems like for these people who eventually enact all the moves. So that are those are the four kind of secondary storylines we saw that we either kind of continuations of previous ones or ones we expect to maybe be storylines in the future, but are definitely things they were trying to highlight throughout this episode. So that's your secondary storylines. That's your main storylines. Let's talk sports now, shall we? This is a sport after all. It's a show and a sport all enwrapped in one. It's a beautiful thing, but let's talk the sports side. Let's break down the daily challenge and the elimination. Here we go. All right, on to our sporting events of the episode. First is the daily challenge called Sea Cave Recon. They got to jump 30 feet off a cliff into the open sea. It's thrashing around. They swim down there. They pull themselves down on a rope, grab one fake bomb out of the bottom of the water, come back up, swim into a cave, grab another bomb up on shore in the cave, come out, grab onto a jet ski, hold on for a little ride up the shoreline, swim over to the beach and put their bombs in place in the whole thing ends uh it is a gnarly uh challenge to say the least because again the sea is thrashing the waves in this are no joke there there's a reason that a bunch of people ended up injured there's a reason this ended up sending one person home from the game it's pretty gnarly in general it's very fun but it's very dangerous um and let's you know let's let's break down just the challenge itself first and then some of the competitors and the moments that happened in it the challenge itself again gnarly fun dangerous uh, we liked a lot of it. It was very, it was visually appealing. There were some unclear rules, as always. Every one of these daily challenges, I have so many questions that I wish there could be. You know, of all the bonus content they put out, I would love one with one of the main producers behind the daily challenges and the eliminations, explaining exactly what all of the rules were. Maybe doing a Q and A on each one of what's going on, because with this one, one. Uh, a lot riding on the drivers of the jet ski. Uh, it was a little unclear. Sometimes it was like you know, a couple people grabbed on, but they didn't start right away. And it was like, no, you gotta, you gotta get up further. You gotta grab on specifically here. You know, we're, we gotta be really safe. It's gotta be right here. Um, and then, you know, are they going the same speed the whole time? One is on the outside, technically has a little bit longer route. Um, just a lot in the hands of those, those two drivers of the jet ski to be fair and balanced about it. And then the big question was, it was very unclear if, you know, they both have to jump, both partners have to jump off of the thing into the water, obviously. Um, and then only one of them has to swim down immediately below, but it's immediately below the one that swims down for the first bomb, their partners, you know, floating right above them. But when they swim into the cave, it's unclear. Some teams, you know, it seems like they're like, you know, both of us have to walk up on this beach together and grab this bomb, or both of us have to be at the beach and then just one of us can go grab the bomb. Other teams, it seems like, you know, one partner swims a little into the cave, but then kind of is chilling is like, all right, you do the rest. I'll wait here until you're coming back out. So did they have to both swim there? Was there some, you know, distance that had to be met? Was anyone DQ'd without us being told for maybe not going far enough into the cave? Um, very unclear there. So, but classic challenge, unclear on the rules. 
all around on the game. Again, visually, this thing was very, very cool. Croatia is beautiful. Uh, it's one of the kind of underlying subplots of the season is not only is it nice that there's warm weather for once, even though they mentioned this water is pretty cold, but, you know, it's ocean water. Even in the middle of summer, it's gonna, it never gets super bath water warm, you know, on very few places at least of any ocean and certainly not this one in the kind of middle of Europe, a little far further north up from the equator there, but cold water, warm weather though, Croatia is just stunningly beautiful. Everywhere they've gone so far, every overhead shot, all of the panoramic views they've given us, place is beautiful. So awesome setting for the challenge, visually very cool. It was definitely really, really hard. It was a good test and it gets swimming in the picture for the first time this season, which is an important barometer for you know looking ahead to a final, a bunch of new rookies. It's good to get to the, see them all swim for the first time. What's your comfort level in water? What's your comfort level with heights again? Well, I'm sure we'll see heights plenty of times throughout as we always do, but you know, comfort level with that. What's your comfort level you know, in a little bit of a dangerous situation, which probably won't be the last time they're in one of those. So a good barometer of a daily challenge for a potential final for all of these new faces and some of the old ones that are coming back for the first time in a few seasons. So that was all great. And the main question that exists with any daily challenge to truly grade one, how good of a daily challenge was it is, do I want to try it? And the answer as usual is hell yeah. Um, absolutely wish I could try this one. Um, I wish I could try almost every one of them. This one, no different. It looked, well, yes, a little dangerous, a little sketchy, also exciting and fun. Um, and, you know, all around interesting, you know, the the spies theme of, you know, they were getting bombs, they were covering bombs, um, was small enough and kind of more to the side and just kind of an anecdote at that, which is kind of where it should stay. Um, let's, you know, we don't have to be too overhanded, too heavy handed, I think is the proper phrasing there uh, with that theme. So, all around good challenge. I would give it B plus, maybe even sneaking into A minus territory. We may have we may have gotten an A on uh, on the report card for this one. So good daily challenge from the challenge standpoint. Now let's talk from the competitor and kind of the moments of this daily challenge. It is a big chunk of the show, and there was good reason for it this time around. There were some awesome moments during it, starting it off in a big big way with Huey and Ashley. These two just unbelievable. If there was like a bonus YouTube series that was just, you know, big brother style where the camera's always on and it's just Huey, a Huey and Ashley cam that like you can watch the episode or you can watch the alternate telecast. That's just the episode through the lives of Huey and Ashley. I would watch that without a doubt. Um, they're just winning hearts left and right. They're Ashley as usual, amazing on TV, amazingly witty and snarky and fun with the commentary. These two together are hilarious. Huey doesn't want to do it. He's scared. He's super nervous. He's pacing back and forth. He's throwing up. They they eventually hug it out. They, they kiss, um, which is notable simply for the fact that, again, the edit can be what the edit is. These could happen in different, <laughs> different uh, order than what we're seeing in them. But we see Pretty much right after Huey throws up, Ashley's like, come on, hug it out. We're going to kiss. All right, great. We're good. We're good. You're calm down. Great. Like the dude just threw up. Uh, I know you're just trying to, you know, get him back on track. You're calming him down. Uh, you guys are just partners. You know, there's nothing else to it but that. But the dude just threw up. So stay away from his mouth. Um, but, you know, maybe maybe those are in different order. But that that stuck out to me. And just in general, um, they're amazing. Uh, Ashley with a quote that probably was going to come up later during the awards of, quote, no, this is light work. It's for kids. Look, this is fun. And 
Ashley, no, it's not for kids. Kids are not jumping off a 30-foot cliff into thrashing waves up against rock walls and sea caves. Uh, but amazing interview, amazing everything. And then after all of it, as you as often happens, when, when someone they really panned in on this person freaked out, we're going to show the whole thing, one of two things happens. They either quit or if they get through the freak out and they try – they usually do great, and Huey it crushes it. He does great. He swims faster than the other three people during his heat, um, and he definitely impresses some people and shows that there's some physical attributes there that uh, people maybe hadn't seen quite yet the game. Um, elsewhere amongst the competitors, we had Michelle mentioned earlier, but got to be mentioned again. Jumps into the water, and you know, un- unknown to her or kind of unfazed to her, she hits her face hard enough when going in the water that she gets a super bad bloody nose from the impact of going into the water and is just immediately profusely bleeding from her nose, which her partner Corey sees and decides can't tell her because she doesn't seem to realize. And if I tell her, maybe she'll freak out. So we'll just ignore it. Uh, the people she's swimming against realize that she has blood streaming everywhere, but Michelle doesn't realize she just keeps trucking, being a badass, going through, does the whole thing. And then afterwards, immediately once both teams are done, Tori immediately like turns around and is like, Hey dude, like you got blood everywhere. Like, are you okay? Like what's going on? And Michelle's like, Oh, I do. Oh, wow. I guess I've got blood everywhere. I should do something about that. So Badass moment for Michelle. Uh, hopefully, it was nothing more than just a bloody nose um, from the impact and no, you know, damage done or anything structurally or anything like that. Didn't seem to be, but um, impressive and quite a way to start the challenge off with the Huey Ashley combo and then uh, right after that, Michelle doing that. Then we get the combination of CT with his ass hanging out, and CT handles this only like only a super vet of this show and of the reality TV world can. He's perfectly comfortable with it. He knows to have fun with it, make it a funny thing, make it a fun thing, let everyone comment on it. When he walks back up and everyone's cheering for him, he turns around and has his pants still pulled down, shakes his butt a little bit. So clearly a guy who's comfortable on the camera knows that, you know, he he didn't mean for this to happen. He's hanging on the back of a jet ski. Of course, I'm actually surprised that only CT and Tommy lost clothing during this because they had them there was the little platform for them to kind of get their chest up on but it was titanic style there wasn't really room for you know both both people on the board so to speak so they're both partners they could have a whole couple hands on the jet ski and kind of half on half off dragging their their bodies in the water so ct loses his pants handles it well tommy though poor guy tommy oh my goodness he loses he doesn't just his pants don't just fall down a little bit they fall all the way off they're thankfully recovered but he finishes the challenge stumbling his way to the end to the finish line without any pants on showing showing everyone everything and then he immediately collapses we we see him call for a medic immediately we then find out later on that he has a concussion that he blacked out he doesn't remember basically any of the challenge at least the second half and it's unclear whether it was from the jump into the water maybe he hit his face or head really hard on the way in or maybe you know one of the waves crashed him into the wall they didn't really show um you know at least i might maybe i missed it um but they didn't really show the moment where the concussion happened but there was a lot of moments for it possibly to have happened and it clearly did he was messed up incredible that he finished this thing um and finished it pretty fast um And, you know, he's at first, the medics check him out, but then we see him walk back to the group and he's stumbling and they comment on the fact that he doesn't look good, but the the medics let him walk back to the group. So from a 
viewer standpoint, we're like, all right, he's 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 shaken up, but he's he's good. He's back in the group. You know, he didn't rush to the hospital or anything like that. We of course find out then in the next scene once they're back at the house that he comes back to the house late um, and does have to go home because he does have a concussion. So uh, that was Tommy. Poor guy again. Poor one out. Poor one out for Tommy. CT's ass. Michelle's bloody nose. Huey and Ashley just being comic genius on screen. Uh, a great daily challenge in general. So that was the daily. Now let's move over to the elimination and dissect that a little bit. On to the elimination round we go. And we get a one-on-one elimination between Tasha and Berna called Slipping Up. It's one-on-one females only because of Tommy having gone home, leaving you know one less male in the house. So Jeremiah and Corey get the night off uh, instead of having to go at each other. They they get the pass. They get to join the group back on the podium. We get a female versus female, Tasha versus Berna elimination. Let's talk the game specifically first before we talk about the competitors that played it. Uh, the game itself. I love these kinds of eliminations. This was a you know a, an elimination that seems at first glance purely physical, build a ladder and climb up the ladder. Very physical all around, but that takes very good mental strength and very good patience and calm to win. And it's all, I just, I love the ones that are, they're physical, but they require you to be patient and they require you to keep your focus and keep your calm and not get ahead of yourself. That combination, I, I love seeing it. I think it makes for some of the, some great eliminations outside of, you know, or kind of big two or big three, or maybe even just big one now with Hall Brawl, um, really rise to the top of Hall Brawl, pole wrestle. And I still say balls in, even though they don't play it very often anymore, are kind of your, you know, your tier A. These are our big physical, you know, put your hands on each other eliminations. Those are kind of the staples of the challenge outside of those three. These types of eliminations are one of my absolute favorites to see. Um, and so this was a very good version of that where you first, you know, it's it's physical the whole way through, but you first strategy-wise have to do the minor strategic thing of put all the poles in, you know, in a row of shortest to tallest to see which one goes where as you move up. They have to be the right size to make it as the 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 sides of the ladder get wider, if you will, um, or if you will, as as they did. Um, but then the main the entire key of this entire challenge was your physical balance mixed with your mental patience to know, not get ahead of yourself, don't worry about what's going on with your competitor, but be able to stand upright on these completely, they show one side angle, which I'm glad they at least gave us one glimpse. This thing's, it's almost at a perfect 90 degree angle. It's almost perfectly vertical. There is a tiny, tiny, tiny lean to it, which, you know, if there was a heavy lean to it, it would make this thing way easier because, the, the poles are sitting on, you know, little little notches that are maybe twice as wide as the poles themselves. They're, you know, the, if the pole is three or four inches wide, the, the little notch they're on is maybe five or six inches wide. There's not a lot of room for it to sit up there. And with it being perfectly vertical, as you step on it, if you lean at all, if your center of gravity goes from directly upright or leaning forward against the pole, if it leans back in any single way, you're pulling yourself and that pole straight off the thing. You're not going to bunch down. You're starting over, which happened over and over throughout this. And that makes it super hard. I, I know from the, thankfully they they kind of filmed this one in a way that 
got across how difficult this really was. There's been similar challenges like this in the past where from a viewing standpoint, it's kind of like if you don't think that hard about it, it seems like it's so easy. You just build, you put all the poles up there and you climb up it and ring the bell. What's so hard about that? But this thing is incredibly, incredibly difficult. I can't imagine doing this under pressure and having to try to stay calm and focused and not keep knocking things off, not try to go faster and faster. Because every time you speed up, you intuitively are pulling back a little bit. If you're trying to climb fast, your momentum of grabbing the next rung is to grab and pull back a little as you pull yourself up, thus pulling it off and knocking yourself down. Um, So very, very hard. Vertical wall. There's some strategy to it. There is a huge mental aspect of being patient, being calm, and knowing I just got to go one small step at a time, one movement at a time, stay centered, stay balanced, stay focused, and also the little strategy of as they got higher and higher, having to, you know, it's, I can't climb down and carry a pole up each time. I need to lean these poles up, climb up, and then kind of pull the pole up behind me. So that was very smart. Both of them got there. So this thing lasted, it seemed like a long time. There's a chance this thing lasted a really, really long time, and we just don't know. I wish they would have given us the time clock. It's not one of those where the time clock in this one maybe maybe would you know kind of look bad uh, more so when it's like the struggle the physical like tug of war versus each other it's cool to show the like it's been 90 minutes and neither one will give up um so you know they probably don't want to do it for one of these where it's you know either of them could finish this you know at whatever point it doesn't the other one's speed doesn't impact their own speed so they're not going to show that time but it probably lasted a really long time i loved this game um and yeah overall the game itself, I'm definitely another one, similar to Daily Challenge. I'm I'm tempted to give it an A minus, a B plus for sure. Maybe even cracking that A on the scorecard. Who an A minus? Let's talk about the actual competitors though that played it. Tasha and Berna. Tasha first in defeat. She did have a very strong showing, even in defeat. Even though this took forever. Again, it took forever because it was really, really, really hard, and she almost had it multiple times. Both women got so, so close. They got within one pole or so from actually being all the way at the top and then have a big debacle where they knocked knocked a bunch off. So strong showing from Tatcha. She was more composed right out of the gate than Berna was. I think she was able to lock into that patience a little more from the start and then more near the end as Berna started to get things going a little bit. I think Tatcha, you know, was able to kind of block Berna out from the start, but then started taking some looks, maybe starting to move a little faster. So she started calm and got a little bit more frantic the further it went on. Um, She was showing off the muscles for the first time. Those arms were popping out. Those biceps were bulging. So definitely a little bit more physicality there that we never fully got to see now that she's going home and, you know, wasn't even fully necessary in this type of challenge, but was on display just with her in the spotlight in the camera frame. Um, So uh, definitely some more physicality there than we might have known before. And in general, a, a fantastic sport and defeat, you know, you know, hugs it out with Berna, says great job, tells everyone she loves him, except for Tori, who she calls fake and doesn't let speak back, which is great. She goes out in style, um, but a good showing all around from Tatcha. And she's headed home. Berna on the other side. Definitely, you know, figured out that balance part a lot quicker, that acrobat background that they mentioned multiple times for good reason, definitely come into play on something like this where your center of gravity and you're kind of focused on small, specific movements comes into play. But her patience, it took a while to kick in. She was a little more frantic. I think maybe she 
without showing it or saying it in any of the in any of the interviews, was a little more confident about, hey, I know what I'm doing up on bars, high in the air, strapped to something like I I can do this and you know, was trying to do it very quick and didn't adjust right away to, all right, I'm not gonna do this quick. It needs to be slower, it needs to be more patient. Um, it took her a moment, but once she did Near the end, she did really lock in and realize, I got to ignore everything that's going on over with Tatcha. I've just got to go super slow and stop making any mistakes, stop knocking anything out. And to not knock anything out, I've got to be really slow, very deliberate. And she gets it done. Um, In the middle of the thing, maybe early in the thing, um, because again, we have no idea how long this took or where the edits were coming from, but took a pole straight to the dome, right in the middle of the nose, which uh, we... There was some foreshadowing of because in the interviews throughout the episode, she had a big cut on her, not a big cut, but a a cut big enough to notice in the interviews. And I definitely took notice. I noted it down actually midway through the episode. I was like, wait a minute, she's got this cut. Is this going to happen in the daily challenge? And then, you know, came out of the daily challenge and looked like nothing had happened yet. So then that was one of those that, you know, there's no way for them to cover that up doing these interviews after the fact, but uh, that kind of tipped me off to, Either she's going to like get in a fight or have a fall in the house where she's going into elimination and something's going to happen, uh, but takes the takes that pole, which has to hurt so bad. I mean, anything hitting your nose hurts really bad. A metal pole kind of banging against it from a couple feet above your face, that's got to hurt, uh, bloodied up, scarred up. I'm sure Nelson will you know help her clean it up later and give it a little kisses to make it feel better, but um, you know. Impressive effort from her, showed the strength, so showed the composure, took her a minute to get that strategy to mentally lock in, but definitely has the physical skills and eventually proved had that mental skills to get the win. So she did an amazing thing. Uh, getting that win, uh, impressive showing for her starting to stand out physically and in the game competition-wise on the rookie side of things and on the female side of things. The only other notes really fast before we move into our awards on this elimination, there's two of them to talk about. The first one is, if CT is helping you, only listen to him, no one else. There was a bunch of people yelling for both competitors during this, and notably for Berna, Nelson was trying to yell a bunch of stuff, because of course, you know, they're romantically involved, he doesn't want her to leave, of course, whatever. But CT, her partner, was also yelling a bunch of things. And CT's played this game for quite a while. He's won it a few times, you might've heard. He's very good at this game, you might've heard. And for anyone in an elimination, to have the benefit of CT, to have the benefit of being a rookie in one that takes some more mental acuity and strategy than you think at first glance, to have a CT in the background confidently and calmly yelling out directions of, hey, you need to do this. Think about this. Remember this. You were doing this before. It was working. Do more of that. Oh, this is why it keeps falling. Watch yourself this. She's doing this and it's working. She's not doing that. Whatever. Having CT helping you out is a godsend in any daily, in any daily, in any elimination for sure. And if anyone else is yelling, you turn around and tell them to shut up. You only want to listen to CT. So that was a big help for Berna. It would be a big help for anyone. The final thing to talk about though, and we're going to, we're going to fully enter conspiracy corner here on the challenge historian podcast, just for a moment, just one, one little conspiracy of mine that I've thought about in this this episode of this season is really starting to bring to the forefront that I can't, I can't, men- I can't go any further without mentioning it. It rains at this elimination again. It rains again um, for the second or third time this season already at an elimination or a daily challenge that it rains. And I don't know 
what weather's like in summer in Croatia. I don't know what the weather is typically like in Iceland in the spring, whenever they filmed double agents, fall, winter, whenever they filmed double agents. I don't know what the weather is like in, was it Czech Republic on Total Madness? But the last couple of seasons, while they've had to film in, you know, they picked the bunker in Czech Republic and that was a huge mess on its own. Uh, but then they had to film in Iceland during because it was pandemic and that was where they would let them film and it wasn't ideal climate or whatever and we knew it. So we've kind of shrugged off because of the extenuating circumstances that the last two seasons have not just been cold weather, but have seen rain over and over, rain at the daily challenges, rain at the eliminations, like almost like a lot of the time. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. At some point, I'm going to have to go back and add it up if I want to make this a full-blown true conspiracy and go full tinfoil hat on it. But here's here's what I'm thinking. I thought summertime in Croatia, yeah, you know, it might be rainy in Europe. I don't know. I don't know anything like that. But I didn't expect to see so much rain again and to see them constantly in the rain and all the eliminations in the rain. And it definitely impacted this elimination, like that climbing and that balance and everything. Again, having it wet doesn't help. So my conspiracy that I'm, I'm going to have to look into further, and you cha- you sleuths out there could look into this, help me out on this one, but is it actually raining or has the challenge producers decided that it's more fun and more dramatic when it rains, quote unquote, for those just listening, doing the, you know, the finger quotations here when it rains. And is this rain artificial? Are they, is it actually raining every single time in all these eliminations and these dailies on each of these seasons in a row? Or are they artificially making it rain? Are they pumping it in? Are they thinking it ups the drama to have that rain coming down? I got to know. I got to, I got to talk to a producer. I got to get a cast member to come out and just blow the cover and, you know, come forward with some true evidence and, you know, squash this or tell me it's true, but I couldn't believe it was raining yet again. I'm going to be keeping an eye on the the elements and the weather the rest of this season and seeing where it goes. Clearly, they can't take a day off. Clearly, they can't postpone anything. They've got to go through it, and clearly, it rains everywhere that the challenge goes. So that's everything about the elimination. Let's move forward to our final portion of the podcast here, and let's give out some awards. All right, we've reached the end of the pod, and that means it is time for some awards. We've talked about everything we could talk about. We've recapped. We've talked storylines, main and secondary, daily challenge, elimination. It's time to hand out a couple of awards. So let's get right on into them. We'll start off with the strategy-based awards, and we like to start things positive here. So best strategy of the episode, three nominees on the best strategy front. First nominee, Corey, Corey L., um, rookie Corey for... Mainly just for trying to actually be the one of the few rookies trying to get the rookies to come together and realize that they are all the targets of all the veterans and that they all need to start paying attention and not just trusting their vet partner to keep them safe. So good strategy by Corey is one of the few rookies along with kind of Michelle as the other one, his partner being one of the few ones that's actually stepping up and saying we should do something about this. Second nominee for best strategy, Devin. Clearly, as we talked about earlier, pulling the strings behind the scenes, playing a flawless and fantastic strategic game so far this season and again in this episode and third and final nominee for best strategy it was almost without being seen but that is exactly why it is such good strategy ct as always staying quiet just being in the background just you know being intimidating when people look at him but no one hearing him no one talking from him and you know not winning anything but looking good every challenge you know, the 
you know, the, really the most vocal he's been the whole time is because his partner ended up in elimination this week and he was trying to help her out. But CT staying quiet, staying in the background, staying the course, got to make another final, got to win another championship. CT, good strategy as well. So those are your three nominees, Corey, Devin, CT for best strategy. And I've got to give the award this week to Devin because... Uh, you know, a, not a lifetime achievement award, but a, a three episode basically cumulative award as well as for this specific episode, just playing a flawless game, pulling the strings, clearly kind of is the head of the veteran snake, if you will. If all the snakes add up to one big snake, he's at the head of it right now and silently behind the scenes without making anyone angry, without any rookies being that mad at him pull the strings. He wins the award for the best strategy this week, which brings us to our worst strategy of the week. And with that, we also have three nominees. First one is Tori. I mentioned this earlier, but during the deliberation, she's got this power and as happens in the challenge house, when you get power, power often goes to these people's heads. And Tori does a pretty good job handling that power, but has that one little slip up that I just... I just feel like could come back to bite her and maybe could have rubbed some people in the room the wrong way, especially the rookies who still don't know her super well. It hasn't been, you know, super far into this season. That one moment where she kind of big T tries to mention, you know, her side of things and Tori just butts in with, oh, friends, like, you know, best friends that you would have thrown into elimination versus each other. Ha ha ha. And it's sarcastic and silly and it's fun and it's great content, but uh, it also is hard for the room to read how serious was that? How much are you targeting her? You know, we're we're laughing. It's kind of funny, but we don't know how to take it. I just thought that moment is was the one time she kind of stepped a little too far with that power. Let it get a little too much to her head. So not great strategy there. Then we got Tasha in for the for not throwing a rookie name out. It's just it's a bad move. We talked, you know, uh, we mentioned Kells for this last week. This time for not throwing in with Kelzu is that he wouldn't throw a name out. This time, Tatcha does throw a name out when asked by Devin. Now Devin's new line of the season, it seems. If not you, then who? Uh, great trademarking, as always, from Devin. Uh, shout out his clothing brand, Wear Devin Walker, um, where I'm, I'm still waiting on my What's 8 Times 9 shirt to arrive in the mail to wear for the next podcast, but I expect a If Not You, Then Who shirt to pop up there soon. So if you want to support Devin, if you're a fan of him like I am, Wear Devin Walker on Instagram. You can go check out some of the clothes he's made. And by the time you look, maybe that shirt's up there. But he asked Tasha, if not you, then who? And she immediately goes with the other rookie, rookie team, Corey and Michelle, which it's just short-term thinking. It totally is understandable. She's thinking, you know, there's two targets in the room. Everyone's talked about us. If if you're asking me who else we should talk about, it's them because I know their name's out there too. But it's, it's such short-term thinking just from this standpoint. It's not short-term of just avoiding this elimination. It's knowing, yeah, th- those are the two targets, your team and their team. And you saying you should vote for them instead just means that Ed and Tori are going to put you in or be the versus you get thrown in by the group and Corey and Michelle get picked by Ed. And I keep wanting to say Ed and Emmy because they were partners before Ed and Tori. So short-term thinking, not understanding that those are the targets, no matter what four people are going to end up in there. And you've got to say a veteran's name. You've got to say a veteran's name. A rookie in the deliberation has to say a vet's name. So until everyone does, everyone that gets the opportunity and doesn't do it is going to be nominated for worst strategy. And the third and final one is is a group group nomination, Gabo, Emmanuel, and all of the rookies, basically, for not stepping up and taking any vets. Every rookie that is with a vet partner, all of them are playing 
uh, you know, maybe we're just not seeing much of them. I don't want to say they're all playing a scared game at this point, but they're all playing a very safe and uh, a game of, you know, I'm going to trust my partner to keep me safe and stay attached to them. And I can maybe ride that all the way to the finals. And then who knows, but someone's got to step up. Someone's got to see the writing on the wall as Michelle does, as Corey does, as, you know, Kells did before them and Michaela did before them. So Gabo, Emmanuel, who are the ones that kind of were highlighted this week of not, you know, getting with the program that we talked about earlier, but all the rookies that are paired with vets, they're all nominated group nomination together. And for the worst strategy, we're going to go ahead and give it to Tatcha because, again, we I just can't get over. One of you has to say a veteran's name in that deliberation room. That's all that has to happen. You've got to do it. You've got to try it. Um, but it looks like eventually it's going to have to be a vet that says a vet's name in that room at some point. So worst strategy to Tatcha, best strategy to Devin, and overall best strategy to the veterans and worst strategy to the rookies, essentially. Now let's talk best quote. And, oh, my goodness, there was a lot of options for best quote this week. Um, let's start here with uh, Emmanuel talking romance with Michelle, who only wants to talk game. But in the interview, Emmanuel gives a, a just an amazing line about sometimes we talk game, life, kiss, cuddle, right? Let, let, let's hear from the man himself. All right, then we, ref, we referenced it earlier, but Ashley trying to convince Huey as they their whole back and forth could have had a dozen nominees for quote of the week just on its own right before the daily challenge. But the one from Ashley that really stuck out was her referencing that, you know, jumping off a cliff into the ocean is just a kid's game. So let's go ahead and hear that quote in full from Ashley. It's fun, baby. You're fun. You're great. You can do this. Oh this my is God, it's really, really fun. No, this is light work. This is for kids. Look, this is fun. Oh my God, it's so, so high. I'm so, I'm terrified. It's all right. We can do this. It's not that high. Kids do this for fun. I'll push you. Oh my God. <laughs> Don't. Then we've got Huey, which Huey has three nominations for quote of the week. He could have had 12 for if we really, really wanted to do it. We tried to limit it as much as possible, but we could only limit it so much. We still have to give him three different nominations. His first nomination for Huey came um, during that same part. Uh, after all those memorable moments, he finally jumps in the water. He starts swimming. He starts swimming faster than everyone. And we learn from him that when you overcome a fear, you become a superhero. And it was a great quote. Take it away, Huey. A line starts to come out of me. I jump off the cliff. I feel like Superman. I dive under the water and I grab the bomb. And for some reason, I've turned into a fish. I'm swimming so, so fast. It's not from ability. It's from solid fear. When a person is scared that they're going to die, they literally become a superhero. All right. And then Huey's second quote of the week nominee comes uh, after after they go. And they're watching everyone else in the Daily Challenge go. And we get CT and Tommy ending up CT partially pantsless, Tommy fully pantsless. And Huey is enjoying the whole scene. Everyone's having a good time with it. But Huey's definitely enjoying it and references that he didn't know that dinner was going to be served during this daily challenge. So take it away for the second time, Huey. Not only is this a show, it's also dinner. I, I'm starting to really love this challenge. I'm so happy. I'm happy I came now. And then third and finally, his shortest, but maybe potentially his best of all of his quotes was in the deliberation room when... Uh, 
Ash, you know, Tori tries to start the deliberation off on like a nice note of saying, you know, we all, there was a crazy challenge. It was dangerous. We all did great. Let's all give us a hand. And they start to clap and Ashley just cuts in with, no, 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 no. Let's get to the chase. We only have so much time. We got to put a name up. We got to chop some heads. Let's go. And Huey chimes in with the Jesus Christ, Cuella, which he says way better than I. So let's hear it from the man himself. Okay, we're not here to freaking compliment each other. We're here to figure out who's going into elimination. Yeah. So let's stop playing these games. Jesus Christ, Cruella. <laughs> so three nominations for Huey. The other two people getting nominations for Quarter of the Week is Tori. Her thoughts on Mercy versus Revenge. Let's hear those. I'm not sure if I'm going to have Mercy right now. I mean, Mercy sounds like a nice thing to do, but so does Revenge. And then also Kyle, who I mistakenly earlier in this podcast said that it was CT who had the Ashley in one ear, Nelson in the other ear during the elimination, when it was actually Kyle. And as usual in the interview, Kyle just absolute mint, absolute gold, absolute money. Let's hear what he was hearing during that elimination round. I hear in this ear, Nelson shouting, Burner, come back, I love you. And in this ear, I hear Ashley, Tasha, come on, Nelson. So those are your nominees. There was a lot of them. There's honestly, we actually had four more on this list that we cut down because it was getting way longer than normal and more than it should be. And you know what? I'm not going to pick one winner because I'm only gonna, I'm not going to pick one winning quote, but I am going to pick one winning person. It's Huey. Everything Huey said, all three of his quotes is Cruella, the dinner being served, the superhero, all the everything he said, everything he said that we didn't mention that we've mentioned. It was all amazing. Huey gets quote of the week for anything and everything that he said during this episode. Let's then move to the best moment. So those were the best quotes and some of the best and worst strategy. Now let's talk best moment of the episode. First, the one we just talked about a bunch with all those quotes was everything between Huey and Ashley at the beginning of that daily challenge, the throw up, the kiss, the quotes, the eventual jumping off, turning into a superhero. Uh, Ashley's just kind of disdain yet love for her new partner Everything about it. That was amazing. So everything between them. That's moment number one. Nominee number one. Nominee number two is Tori and Ed's little dinner date. Just loved everything that was going on there. Uh, just the bowl of cabbage was hilarious. Who was, was there like salad at a buffet ready and they just happened to pick up the one bowl of like that one part of the dish they could have mixed in? Like how did they end up with this massive bowl of cabbage? And just a fun back and forth between them. Um, just enjoyed that whole little scene. Then another moment from Tori, the smallest of small moments in this episode, a small moment within a little bit more of an important episode or moment. The reason Tasha at the end of the episode goes off on Tori is because her and Tori make a handshake deal. She comes, Tori comes to Tasha and Jeremiah, but more Tasha because at that point she, as with the vet knowledge, is like, hey, a guy had to leave because of medical reasons. That means there's a good chance this could be female only. So I really want to know who do you want to go against. Tatcha says uh, Michelle. Tori says, "All right, cool. Uh, I think I can. I can probably try to help you out there. Maybe if it fits my game, I can do that for you." And then that was all cool. But the actual specific moment of the the handshake between them is just I don't know why it just made me laugh so much. 
they they kind of go for a regular shake and then it slides into like a bro hug type of situation but they don't actually come together so then as they slip their hands apart they like both kind of move like they're gonna bring the fist together and they don't it's just it's one of those it's both incredibly awkward they each go through three different moments of are we doing this this or this and not knowing but at the same time they make it all look smooth and like it was just like a plan and they were supposed to kind of just glide off each other's hands i just i don't know why it just made me laugh and i loved it and it came to be consequential later in the episode so uh that handshake is moment number three number four michelle's bloody nose her not noticing it all being a badass going through the whole thing without of it and just it's incredible that she didn't notice and it's incredible that all other three people were like we aren't going to say anything till the very end but then immediately we're going to say something and she's like oh uh, i didn't even know um so that whole thing was great although like always, teased as like this huge injury. We see someone with a bloody nose and looking kind of frightened in this brief little screen grab on the on the preview, and then it turns into like you know bloody nose, nothing to nothing to be knocked of. We're giving it a moment of the week nominee, but you know not built what they build it up to be is not always what it is, but it's still a great moment. Then we got Nelly T's boot camp. That whole segment was amazing and awesome, and the the music to it, all the shots of everyone working out, the camaraderie between them, Nelly T leading the whole thing. Uh, just all things great. And then final, the sixth and final nominee for the best moment. My favorite, it's not going to win the best moment, but this really small four seconds, three seconds, maybe two and a half seconds at most, uh, just after they show Nelly T's boot camp, maybe a little bit later, they're, they're just kind of going between one scene to another and they show a little snippets of different things going around in the house as they transition from one to the other. And they briefly show Devin leading five or six other people in some sort of breathing or meditation exercise out on the lawn. And I would, I would have watched the full, however long that lasted, whatever that was, I would have watched it. Um, I just thought that was interesting and uh, a, a nice little note. And just, it was a cool little moment that they just boom, give us a little snap of, and then we're out um, so those are your nominees for the best moment. I'm going to give the award for this episode a hard-fought battle, but since I gave Huey the award for all, all of his quotes, uh, as much as I loved him and Ashley's whole thing before the Daily Challenge, I'm not going to make them the winners. I'm going to go with Nelly T's boot camp. That was the best moment of the episode for me. It didn't have much to do. You know, it had a little bit to do with this, the storyline of him and Berna, but it was mostly just for fun. It was cool. To, it was fun to see. The music was cool. The shots were cool. Everything about it was cool. So I love Nelly T's boot camp. That's the best moment of the week. And finally, our final award, MVP. We've got four receive five people receiving votes. One of those being the winner. Those receiving votes but not winning. We're gonna go with Devin. For all the reasons we've mentioned, pulling the strings, uh, he's still, as usual, the couple times he came up in the interview room was very good. Um, we don't know how he performed in the daily challenge because he was one of the teams at the end that they just kind of were like, oh, they're up and they're done. Boom, boom. And, you know, we had no idea how they actually did. Um, but Devin received some votes for MVP. Michelle also receiving votes that near win, having that great moment with the bloody nose powering through, strong showing all around, showing some leadership abilities, some strategic abilities, or at least trying to be strategic about what they're doing, even if no one else is getting on board. She received some votes. Tori received some votes for MVP of the episode. She got the daily win. Um, you know, she took that power and had some fun with it, had some good moments, the whole thing. She had some good quotes throughout, did a lot of good, uh, not quite enough to win the MVP of the episode. And then fourth one to receive votes but not win was Huey who I had a big, a tough time not giving the MVP of the episode, but the man's gold. 
Everything he said was mint. Everything he said was money. It was just so hilarious. Um, I'm looking forward to as much Huey content as they want to give us, as much Huey and Ashley content as they want to give us. Um, so he received votes, but he did not get the win because the winner of the MVP of the episode is Berna. It's got to be Berna. First off, the biggest thing, obviously, she gets the elimination win. She's back in the game, and she gets an elimination win versus a good competitor in Tatcha. She takes that pole to the face and keeps on going. She shows her physical ability. She shows her mental ability to calm down and you know be calm and collected and get that win. And it was the first one-on-one elimination of the season, being just that female versus female with the guys getting to sit out because of the medical DQ. So even more spotlight and pressure. And, you know, she kind of blossomed in her personality in this episode. We got to see more of her. She's got that romance going on. She's kind of won. You know, it wasn't much of a battle. It was more of Nelson moving from one woman to the other. But, you know, she's she's got her man now. And she's got him already to the point of saying, like, I'll try to protect you all. You know, my best friend's joking about me throwing myself in for you, all that. So she did good at the daily challenge as well. That should be said. She's got her partner in CT. She very smartly, I probably should have said for best strategy, burn up for being smart enough to way back when pick CT as I don't know how no one else did first. Um, but then also sticking with him without a hesitation, stick with CT. Great job all around. Burna is the MVP of this episode. And that is a great transition right into from the awards, all of those awards to the final bit here, the power rankings, and it's a transition because top of the power rankings, back again, back to the top, is Berna and CT. I said it before, I'll say it again here in a moment, CT is going to win this season. I don't know if Berna is going to be by his side at that point in time. It's a long way to go. A lot could happen, but Berna and CT, after, uh, you know, because of just CT's reputation and the way he's playing this game, I think he's going to win, so he's at the top of the rankings, and his partner... Uh, makes it a lock to be at the top because she's shown she's got those physical abilities. She's starting, you know, with that romance is bringing her into more of that bet. She's already got CT on her side as the partner who seems to be warming to the idea of she's pretty good. She's doing pretty well so far. Maybe he'll keep her the whole time, try to get that back-to-back win with the rookie. She's got Nelson, um, which brings Corey on to, you know, her side. So CT burning number one, number two spot, Tori and Ed. Do I think they're going to stay together for the whole time? No, because I think a bunch of people are going to keep picking Tori. But I think Ed might end up in an elimination and win and get Tori back. So I think they might be together, apart, together, apart. But for the time being, while they're together, they won this daily. And they're just a really, really strong team that I think complements each other well, that has their personalities help them do better by, you know, taking it serious while having fun is a great recipe in the challenge house. Um, so Tori and Ed, number two, number three, our vet, vet team, Kyle and Amanda, a little bit less from them this episode, but I think that's a totally fine thing. Neither of them in any of the drama, neither of them having to be snaky in any way, have to call anyone out anyway, way, um, you know, all around just, they're one, one of, uh, maybe the only one, a couple, one or two vet, vet teams. So, Strong spot for them. Third on our power rankings. Fourth, Casey and Emmanuel. Um, you know, both looking very good so far. Casey, obviously, two-time finalist and two tries. Trying to go three for three. Has been a little bit more in the background. We've only seen her in glimpses with her, the her and Nani relationship. But they've finished pretty near the top in all the dailies so far. We've seen some good things from Emmanuel. So uh, they're number four on my rankings for now. And then number five, the rookie-rookie pairing of Michelle and Corey. Leap into the power rankings. As much as they're going to continue to be targeted, uh, or maybe not, maybe if the vets start going for each other, they get a little bit of time off. They can, as the 
the alliances reshuffle, they can weave their way in, but just such strong showings. Um, physically so gifted and socially gifted where if they get that moment where the vets turn on each other in alliance reshape, I think they're going to be able to weave their way in as and they've shown they're, they're trying to, they're thinking strategically. So Michelle and Corey for the physical side, I think that even if they get, end up in a couple more eliminations, they can win a couple more and they're a threat to be, to be, you know, I don't, I guess I don't know how well they're going to hold up if they make a final running wise, but it all signs point to good. Um, so that's my top five power ranking. C.T. Berna, Tori Ed, Kyle Amanda, Casey Emanuel, Michelle Corey, rounding out the top five. Finally, let's talk predictions. So those are our power rankings. Those are awards. Let's talk predictions. And before we add our new one for the week, let's recap the current season-long predictions. Every week on this pod, the recap pods, we do kind of long-term, more season-length predictions. On the Tuesday pod, we do specific episode predictions, which... We went two and a half for three the first time around in this most recent episode after watching night. We went one for three, but we'll discuss those on the Tuesday micro review preview podcast. Today, let's look at the four season-long predictions we had coming into this episode and see where they stand. First one, Tori will have five or more partners. First episode that she actually keeps her partner because they won the daily challenge and there was no mail-in elimination to pick her even if they wouldn't have won. So remains at three partners, but... There's only been three episodes, still well on our way to nailing that prediction, so still in play and looking good. Fessy as the first vet targeted. I don't know, do we count Big T as being targeted in this episode? When I said it, I used the word targeted, I didn't say thrown in, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this is still up in the air. Big T's name came up, but it wasn't a full-on target, I don't think. You know, she had she was one of many targets. So I'm going to say this one will be null and void or prove true when a veteran gets thrown in or actually, you know, voted in for the first time. So that might happen next week. Probably going to happen next week on the next episode. So we'll see. For now, that one's still in play. Third one, CT going to win. Yep, that's true. He's going to win. Again, no spoilers here. I don't know this. I have no idea, but... He's going to win. I feel so confident in this. I think he's going to win. He's going to go back to back. And then the fourth, so that one's still in play, obviously. Um, And then the fourth one that we made last week was that Devin was going to make it further than Josh, which I also still feel feel very confident in. And it's also still fully in play. So those are four that are outstanding. So far, none. Maybe the Fessy one um, has been, uh, has went the way of wrong. But so far, all four in play. We're going to add one new one. We're going to try to add one new one every single week. And by the end of the season, see, you know, however many 20 or whatever we end up with, uh, how many we can get right. But my new one for this week is going to be that Ed is going to make the final. I thought long and hard. I wanted to predict which rookie I thought would be for sure make the final. Pick one rookie and say they're making the final. And I thought long and hard about it. I wanted to say Corey. I wanted to say Michelle. But I decided to go with Ed. I think Ed's making the final. I think everything we've seen from him shows he's a good competitor and he's going to be willing to just let other people kind of run the political social game for him, and that he's going to be totally fine. He's not going to ruffle feathers. If he gets thrown in, that's fine. He'll go in, win, and come back, whatever. He's there for a good time. People are going to love him. One of the kind of secrets of the challenge house with uh, that you hear from cast members when they talk on podcasts or their own Patreons or their Instagram lives or anything, that they're in this house 24-7 together without, you know, without any any connection to the outside world. In fact, Johnny Bananas was talking about this on his podcast 
just last week on Death Taxes and Bananas podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. He mentioned how like people that are fun to be around and fun for the house have an advantage in the game because people don't want to vote for them because they, they want them there for the entertainment. He listed Kyle as a big recent one that's benefited from this and people just want him around. And I think Ed is going to be one of those people that his personality, his positive attitude, the fact that he's uh, it was revealed on the, the challenge the cha- official challenge podcast where Ed was on with Tori and Anissa last week saying he was singing songs, making up songs all the time. He was just kind of the life of the house. Um, and that can go a long way for people maybe not wanting to target him, maybe wanting him to be around. And he's got the physical, he's got the mental. So he was the one I decided to say is Ed making the final. That's our fifth season long, long-term prediction. All of them still in play. We'll see how we do on those. But with that, that's all for the show. It was a long one. I appreciate you for sticking it out all the way through all of it with us. Another banger episode of The Challenge is in the books and another episode of The Challenge Historian Podcast is in the books as well. Be sure to tune in next Tuesday for our review for preview micropod where we cover aftermath, Instagram Live, social beef, anything going on in the challenge world that relates to this current season and the storylines of this current season. We make sure we're gathering all that intel. We're watching all the different channels, everything out there, and we give you that every Tuesday evening, a short 10 to 15 minute review you what happened, talk about what's happened between the two episodes, preview and make specific episode predictions for that coming episode. So we catch you up, we get you ready, check that out every single Tuesday, and then back again next Thursday, bright and early. First thing when you wake up, this episode will be in your feed, recapping episode four. So Wherever you're listening to this, if it's Spotify, hit that follow button. If it's Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe. Also, rate and review, five stars only, please, and thank you. But hit the follow, hit the subscribe, so you're always getting these right into your feed. You're not missing an episode. If you prefer to watch versus listen or, you know, listen via YouTube, you can go to YouTube. These are all on YouTube as well, so they're they're out there anywhere you want to watch or listen. You can do so. Please follow, subscribe, rate, review. It's all appreciated. It's so, so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. And uh, with that... Also, final note, follow us on Instagram, Challenge Historian, we mentioned earlier, but a bunch of other content comes up. We do some long-form videos. We dive deeper into these episodes. We also start are going to very much, in the next few days, start to finally talk a bunch more about some old seasons with a specific eye on free agents in the next couple of weeks. We're re-watching that season right now. We've got some content coming out about that. So if you want more challenge content in your life, head on to Instagram, at Challenge Historian. Give us a follow there. Let us know your comments. Let us know your thoughts in this pod, any of the other content, anything you've got. Bring it to us. We love talking the challenge. We'd be happy to talk about it with you. And with that, it's been a great one. Thank you so much for being here. Until next time, peace.